All right, everybody. Wonderful. Welcome to New Life. Glad you guys could be here today. Yeah, it's a great day to be here, right? Man, it's a great day to be here. Hey, well, I know that I introduced myself earlier. I do want to take a quick moment just to say hello to all of our first-time guests that are with us. I see whole groups of first-time guests, and I know that there's other individuals that are located around the auditorium today that are here for the very first time. Some of you are watching us live right now for the very first time. I want to welcome you. And uh, some of you are going to actually listen to us via podcast later on this week while you work out. And I want to say thank you for listening as well. Hey, today is a little different. Obviously, we filled the place with uh, racing parts to talk about a racing theme for the, for the next five weeks. So if you are a guest here with us and you're thinking to yourself, what in the world did I walk into? You pulled up in the parking lot and you had to make your way through race cars to get into the auditorium. Just know, just give us a couple of weeks to show that we're not crazy, okay? And um, that we actually are people that love God and we, wanna, we, want, we believe that loving God can be exciting. We believe that a relationship with God should be one of the most exciting things that happens in your life. That the best transformation that happens in your life isn't something that happens in the world. It's what God does inside of your heart. And we believe that's something to celebrate, to be creative with, and to teach one another what God's Word has to say in a very fun, creative way. All right? So that's what we believe in. So if you're, if you're a group of people that are looking for a relevant church, a church of people that are they're just, they just, they just love God, they don't claim to be perfect, but they love God and they're excited about growing their faith with God, you have found the right place. Well, listen, as we talk about racing, I like racing. Uh, I actually enjoy auto racing. My grandfather uh, raced, uh, he actually raced way back in the old days in the Daytona 500 when they raced on the beach. My uh, father raced as well. He uh, did both stock car racing and drag racing in the Midwest. Um, pretty sweet kind of stuff, you know, top fuel type drag racing. And so when I, when I became 19 years old, I decided, um, you know what I want to do? I want to race too. And so I went all out and I built a race car that looks just like this. Yeah, that was my race car. Um, 19 years old, I built a racing ghost goat cart. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was fast. It was fun. When you're just an inch off the ground, though, anything seems fast, okay? So, but me and a buddy, we went in, and uh, we were racing these things. His name was Keith. He was a friend of mine in the Air Force. What? I looked good back then. I mean, look at that mustache. It, it still hadn't even filled in in the middle yet. That's how young I was. That was actually hair off my head. I just glued there, so... Yeah, so we built this racing go-kart, and we thought to ourselves, man, we are going to have fun on Friday nights, you know, out at the dirt track. So uh, we would go out, and we would race, and um, check, I mean, just look at this. This is what you kind of look like in the cart, right? That's, a, that's the size of it. Yeah, that's cool stuff. He, uh, he lived in this circle, so you drove up this road to his house, and then there was this circle that went all the way around with all these homes, came right back to his house, and you left. It was a one-way around the circle. It was perfect for racing, especially go-karts, because we would tweak the engine, start it, see how it was running. We would go sit it out in the street. Then we'd race it around this huge circle. You know, like, go way out there, you barely hear it. It comes back. We might go around twice, and then we'd have to pull into his garage really quick because it was so loud, neighbors would call the police. So <clears throat> we would work on it in the garage. When the police showed up, then they drove around the circle, right? And then when they left, we would go, okay, I think that tweaking is good. We'd put it back out there and race it again. And then that's how, that's how we became great racers. I remember our very first race. 
We take this thing to the track. We stick it out on the track. I'm there. We're racing. We're going around. We're not even racing yet. We're just doing some test laps. Then we, the race gets ready to start. We're all locked up. There's about eight carts there. And the very first, you know, swing of the green flag, we go down the straightaway into the first corner. Somebody hits me from behind. We spin out. The chain flies off the rear axle and all the other carts go boom, 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 boom. Race was over. Our very first race. Very first corner. Wham! We were out of the race. We can't even finish the race that day because things broke. On the very first race, I realized something important. I realized we've got to have a pit crew. We've got to have some guys that know how to build this cart up, that know how to make this thing go, that know how to tweak this engine correctly, that know how to make sure the parts stay on it so that we can actually get out on the track and do what we drove all the way there to do. We need people to help us do that. And in your life and in my life, we need a pit crew, a pit crew to help hold us together, to help put all the pieces together, So that spiritually we stay in this spiritual race of pursuing God and we finish it strong, we win. We need people like that. Now, a pit crew. What does a pit crew do in a race? If you're unfamiliar with racing, I want to help you with that today. Because if you don't understand what a a true racing pit crew does, all the job that they have to do and how important it is, then this whole theme of pit crew is just going to fly right over the top of your head. A pit crew is a vital, vital part of a racing team. When you go to a NASCAR level, it's way different than a goat cart. You know, you got these guys and they're pulling into the pits and they need to get in and they need to get out. They need to do it quick. So to help us understand that is a NASCAR, the best buy NASCAR racing team, their pit crew and their driver are going to help us understand what a real racing pit crew is and how important it is. Take a look. When Matt or, or, or I or any of the drivers pull in for a pit stop, right then the most important thing at the racetrack is our pit crew. And each one of the guys that jump over the wall, they have to be perfect. If they have a, a pit stop that's one second too slow, I mean one second, you'll lose four or five positions on pit road, changes the whole face of the race. So run one can first stop, you split them, build up on the second. Our job is to service the Best Buy Ford as fast as possible, four tires, 22 gallons of gas. So we have six guys that are allowed to do that. We have to refill these cars full of gas. They go fast, they burn a lot of fuel. Front changer, front tire carrier. Those guys take care of the right front tire and the left front tire. They go to the left side and do it again. There's a group of guys that are specific to right rear and left rear. Jackman, very important, raises the right side of the car so the tires can be removed, uh, lowers the car after the nuts have been tightened, goes around to the left side of the car, repeats that action, then he has to check off on everybody, make sure everybody's finished with their job, then he lets the car go and we burn out, and, and hopefully we do that in about 12 and a half seconds. My job is to coordinate uh, the activities that lead to do that in a fast way. It's amazing how fast these guys can run their guns and take these lug nuts off. Uh, you, know, you figure, you, we've all had a flat tire, been stuck on the side of the road, how long does that take just to take take it off with a speed wrench? You know, it's you know five, 10 minutes to get the wheel off, you know, in five, ten minutes to put the wheel on. So these guys can change the tire in three seconds. This is more like music and more like my performance art where everybody is counting on the other person to do their job at a specific uh, interval. And if any one part is out of sync, then it doesn't work. I think everybody out there on a Sunday can uh, get a race car around the racetrack. You know, it's all about, you know, working with your crew chief and your crew and all that stuff to get your car 
uh, to hopefully run faster than everybody else's. And every time you pull in for a pit stop, those those guys are they've got the whole the weight of the whole race, maybe the whole season on their shoulders. Wow, the pit crew changes the tires. They put fuel in the car. They're just doing it record speeds, twelve point five seconds or lower. And did you hear what? The guy who gets all the claim to fame, the race car driver, did you hear what his last words were? Sometimes the weight of a race, every weight of a race is on a pit crew. Sometimes the weight of the season falls on the shoulders of a pit crew. And if that happens in real life and in, you know, racing at a track, it also happens in our spiritual lives. In our spiritual lives, the weight of our spiritual life, many times it rests on the hands of those that are close to us, those that we've pulled close to us. Because times in life happen where we get flat tires. Times happen in life where we get we run out of gas. There's times that happen where we just get weary and doing the laps and just going through the routines. And we need people to come alongside of us and help charge us up. We need people to come alongside and help to remind us why we're in this race of life. And in this race, this spiritual race, we need godly people who will come along and help us do that. Race car needs that kind of help. So do we. We need people that will help us. And so this week, to tackle the first topic in this teaching series called Pit Crew, I want to help you do that by teaching you what the word edify means. The word edify shows up in the New Testament about 20 to 25 times. If you don't use a King James Bible, then you'll never run across the word edify. The word edify doesn't show up in our new translations like the NIV or the New Living Translation or the Contemporary English Version or the English Standard Version, or the Good News Version. You don't find it showing up in those. We've drifted away from the word edify. But that word edify shows up in other ways. Because that word edify means to build up. It means to build up from the ground up. It means to take something really that has nothing and to build it up. And in the biblical sense of that word, to build up means to basically intentionally instruct and to teach to instruct, to teach, and to equip one another to be more Christ-like. That's where the word edify means. To be in each other's lives in a way where we're instructing, we're teaching, and we're equipping each other to be more Christ-like. That's the role of the church. That's the role of a pit crew. Now, as a whole church here, as a whole church, we are, we're not the pit crew. We are basically right now, we're kind of sitting here as the fans at the race. A pit crew is something much smaller than that. You know, you can't get all the fans at a race down in, uh, down in a pit and the car come in and we all jump over the wall and do things. We would actually mess it all up. What you need to have is some people that are strategic in your life, some people that, you know, have specific roles in your life, people that are there, they jump in, they know you, they know the car, they know your life, and they jump in. They jump in to build you up. They jump in to, you know, edify you. They, they jump in intentionally into your life to instruct you and encourage you along the road to become more Christ-like. You see, that's what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6 tells us about this edifying and what we're supposed to do. What does this word really mean? It says this in Ephesians four sixteen that he, or it's talking about here, Jesus, that Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing. Or healthy and growing, meaning it's edified. Okay? And full of love. While that scripture stays up there for a minute, edify. 
to build up, to intentionally instruct or to equip people to become more Christ-like. What is God telling us about this word? First thing you see in this passage is this, that he designed us all to fit together. Meaning, you're here today, God designed you to be a part of this body. Not just a part of the the large body, though, but a part of this pit crew. Because edifying happens at a person-to-person, face-to-face type of a level when it comes from one person to another. So we need to find our, our spot where we fit in with other people. That's, that's the only way that edification really happens when you fit in to the group that you're designed to be a part of. The next thing that we see in this passage is that we each have a special part to play. We've each been given this special work to do. That means each of you in this place have a unique gift and skill. And one of the reasons why you're here is because that skill or that gift is needed. But it's also needed in a smaller microcosm. It's needed in a pit crew. It's needed in this family where you speak into one person's life and they speak into you. And we don't need a a church that's just a carbon copy of each other. Oh, we need to look like Christ. That's true. But each of you have been given a special gift and ability to do that. And people that need to be close to you or you need to be close to, they need that special gift that God has given you. And... Another thing we've learned by this passage is that when we share our part, others are actually edified. That's what it says, that your special work, it helps the other parts grow or it helps them become more healthy with this word here, healthy and growing. It helps them do that. You and you share. So it's not just good enough to come to new life and just to sit in a seat and then once the service is over, just to walk out the door. You can't do that because your part is meant to be shared. Your part wasn't just for you. Your life isn't just to make you happy. Your part is something of something much larger where God said, I'm fitting you together with others. You, you, you need to share yourself with others. Because when doing that, you're edifying, sharing your life with others. You can edify them when it's a Christ-centered sharing with one another, sharing your special part that you have. And the last thing is that when we're intentionally influencing others, then the whole body becomes healthy and it grows. Intentionally doing it, though. Accidentally. Intentionally. How how does that happen? It's hard to do that in this large setting. You know, this Sunday, we'll have over 800 people that will worship with us. How, How do you intentionally impact 800 people? That's not possible. But you can do it. When you're, when you're part of a smaller group that we call a pit crew and you're investing into each other's lives intentionally. Yesterday, I, I got the privilege of going out on a men's, men's event day at the lake. Any other men go? Let me hear for the men. Okay, good. Two men. And a couple of other, yeah. And those people that did this and were like, yeah, those are the guys that were out there that caught no fish, all right? The other guys, they were like, yeah, we conquered the fish. We had a lot of guys, I don't know, 25 guys or so, maybe 30 guys that were out at the lake yesterday fishing. Um, I went with a group of guys that decided that we were going to basically just go back to our junior high days and uh, get behind the boat in tubes and wakeboards and just see how bad we could brutally beat ourselves. And I feel a little bit of that in my neck. Um, we were out there too, been having a good time, and it was a blast. But we all got together for lunch at 1 o'clock. And while we were there at lunch at 1 o'clock, we stopped the, the eating, and we kind of started to share. 
And I just kind of started it all and had a few things I wanted to say. And Sean, Sean King, who oversees our men's ministries, he spoke for a moment. And then, then I was surprised. I was surprised by the next man who got up to speak. His name is Randy Kaufman. He helped to oversee uh, this particular event. Randy got up and spontaneously, without anyone telling him, without anyone giving him a script, without any warning, he just gets up and he intentionally begins to edify the group. He intentionally begins to tell them about what it means to have this relationship with God and how important it is that men interact with other men. And he begins to instruct and begins to teach them how to be Christ-like using his own personal journey and story and challenging them. I was so proud of him. I just sat there in awe. And when he was done, my last words were, well, we're done. That's it. What else can you say? What else can you say? Being intentional about it, though, intentionally instructing and teaching to become more Christ-like. Well, what if you're not really a big racing fan? Maybe I can put this edify into a different, into a different role. We, we all live in a housing development, whether you live in an apartment complex or you live in a subdivision. We live in these areas uh, where there's a bunch of homes. These, these plots of land were, were designed, they were laid out by developers. Developers said that these where the streets are going to go, here's where the plots are going to be so that homes can be built, here's where the sewer lines are going to run, the water, the electricity, and they, they just laid it all out. Then the construction guys came in, and if it was more of a spec home kind of a subdivision, then they came in, they built all the homes. You came along and you looked at the homes and you said, I like, I like that one, I'll buy it. And then the, the housing subdivision was complete. Well, what if, what if, let's say, all the homes are sold and everyone's living there, but everybody just goes to work, they open the garage door, they drive to work, and then they come home and they close the garage door, and you never talked to any neighbor? What if you never met them at all? Their kids didn't play outside. They didn't take their dogs out for walks. They didn't go out for a walk. What Would that neighborhood be a healthy neighborhood? That would not be a healthy neighborhood. That would not be a neighborhood that you would want to live in for very long. And sooner or later, all the real estate agents would realize something weird's going on here. I don't know what it is, but you probably don't want to buy a house in that neighborhood. People just, they don't even know each other in that neighborhood. That would not be a healthy neighborhood. What if, what if your neighborhood was developed, excuse me, what if your neighborhood didn't have a developer? What if it, what if you just, people just kind of came in to Kearney, you know, way back in the day and they just went, I want a house here. And I'm going to have a house there and I'm going to build my house over here and I'm going to build my house there and roads were going all over the place and, you know, power lines were going all over the place and sewage lines. I mean, that would not be, that would be chaos. That would not make for a healthy neighborhood either. What if the developer did all his job and the construction crew did all their jobs, but no one bought a single home? Would that be a healthy neighborhood? In our spiritual life and in this church, God wants us to be a church that's both growing and becoming healthy as a congregation and as individuals. But to do that, in this edification concept, we have to realize that Jesus, He has to be seen as the developer of our faith. Jesus is the one who edifies you to know God. The Spirit of Christ comes to edify you. The Holy Spirit edifies you to know God, to become more like God, to become more Christ-like. Jesus is the developer of our faith. You can't come to God any other way except through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No man comes unto me. No man comes to the Father except through me. 
Jesus does that. You, you don't get to pick and choose what scriptures you're going to follow and how you're going to honor God and how you're going to live your life the way you want to. If you're coming to God, you, you come and you, just, you bite it off and you go, God, I'm surrendering to you. I believe in your son, Jesus, who gave his life on the cross for me. You can't make, you don't make the shots. He's the developer. And secondly, you know, we have to be willing, though, we have to be willing to share our lives with others. If we're going to be that kind of a church that's growing and healthy, then we have to take this, what Christ is doing in our lives, and share it with others. And thirdly, we have to be intentionally desiring for those that are around us to become spiritually healthy and to be spiritually growing. Intentionally doing that, though. It doesn't happen by just coming to church on a Sunday. It happens by getting into the lives of others. So how do you edify others? You, you get into a pit crew. What's a pit crew? Pit crew here at our church is also called a life group or a small group. A life group. These life groups that we have, they, they meet all over town. You've you got a booklet today about them. There's all different styles of life groups that are there. They're meeting at different times and different places and different locations. They're meeting in some of our smaller communities like Gibbon and Minden and Ravana and other places around the, the South Central Nebraska area. We're, we're so bought into the pit crew concept. We believe that you need each other. How do you edify one another in a life group? When I bring up the word life group, I know what, I know one thing that happens. One thing that happens is that you go, well, you're talking about meeting in homes, Jeff? Yeah. Whoa, that's scary. I don't know if I want to meet in homes with people. I mean, I'm stuck in their home then. You know, I'm there and I don't, I, I come and I, I can't leave. And what if they talk about weird stuff? Or what if they talk about the Bible? And I don't know anything about the Bible. Life groups, they must be weird places. No, life groups are not weird places. In fact, let me help you understand by a video what life groups at New Life are not. Life groups at New Life are not weird places. Check this out. Uh, I'm here for the uh, life group. Praise God! Come on in. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Ah, there we go. Nothing like a nice warm hug from a brother in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Welcome. and take as many cookies as you'd like. Just remember what you took when we start to pass the offering tray around. Now friends, I want to draw your attention to Steve. He's new here tonight, so be sure to break him in by asking lots of questions. Steve, why don't you start us off by sharing a hobby or telling us one thing about yourself that God probably doesn't like. You also took the fine jewelry I gave you the jewelry made of my gold and silver, and you made for yourself male idols and engaged in prostitution with them. Ezekiel sixteen seventeen. <sighs> really makes you think twice about prostitution now, doesn't it, gang? Wish I'd heard that four years earlier. Our next chapter is Joshua uh, verses 2 through 5. Steve, why don't you go ahead and take this one? Testament's the other way in the Bible. <laughs> Come on, Steve. Joshua 3. You're fine. You should know this. 
right, there, there you go. All right. So if any of those, yeah, if any of those were your fears, just know that's not our life groups. Right, guys? All right, good. These guys are some of our life group leaders, and they're up here to prove the fact that our life groups are not weird. Right, guys? But they're also up here. Yeah, none of them look weird. So we started out good. We picked four good ones. All right. Um, but no, you, you guys are going to help us do a couple of things. You're going to help us understand the fact that we actually have different types of life groups. And you're also going to help us maybe give, bring some practical pieces to how do we edify others. You are, you are leaders. You know, you're people that are on a regular basis. You're involved in people's lives, helping to instruct and to teach them to build them up in their faith. So why don't you guys kind of tell us a little bit about the style of a life group that you lead and then also with that, how do you build up others? How do you edify others in your life group as a leader? And so, Craig, all right, I'm going to have you start. What kind of life group do you lead and how do you build up others as they come? Well, we lead a life group at our house, and uh, my wife is a pit crew chief. About an hour before everybody gets there, or two hours, I mean, she's cleaning up everything, so she's exactly that pit crew. But our group is a teaching series, and um, we basically go through the sermon that you hear here on Sunday. And so many times I think we come into a service on a Sunday, and we hear it, we think, this is great, this is wonderful, and Monday comes around, Tuesday, and all of a sudden, Wednesday, maybe we've kind of put it way on the back right. shelf. Our group is a way that we can actually reiterate what we've heard, talk about it. It's a way to be comfortable. I didn't understand what the pastor said. You can invite others. It's not closed. It's open. It's a way to build relationships, and that's a key part of our of our group is building friendships. As you said, 800 people in a congregation, how do you build real relationships with one another? And this is a way in a home, in an environment that's safe to also take that and refuel your own tank, not to play on the pun of a uh, right. pit crew, but, I right. mean, really, it's to fill your tank up in the middle of the week, and that's really what the, the teaching series does. Right. Okay, so that's what a teaching group is. And then how do you, as a leader, what are, what's one thing or two things that maybe you do strategically to help build up those that come to your teaching-based group? I think the strategic thing is to find out what is the gifts that we have in each group. What is the gifts that each person has? What is the gifts that God's given us? And not focus those gifts on ourselves, but focus them on how to apply them to one another. Encouraging, building up, um, helping people to share and to grow. Challenging people to make sure that they go outside of their comfort zone, but meeting with them, talking with them, building that relationship. All right, so one of the things that we could try to practice in our own lives if we want to edify others is to find the gifts that are in other people, right? And, and help them, help pull those out of them, right? That's one thing. That's Amen. what you're doing. Okay, so we find those and we, we pull it out of them. All right, let's jump to another type of group. All right, DJ, you lead one of our topic-based groups. Why don't you tell us what a topic-based group is and then what are you doing strategically as a group leader to help build up or edify those who come to your group? Well, um, the topic-based group is a lot better than the sermon-based group. Um, <laughs> just to be clear, I didn't, it, actually, it, basically what it'll do is we use the topic, we use the topic to basically open up the discussion. Um, and then the discussion is going to lead to um, issues in our lives. I mean, uh, whether we're dealing with marriage, we're dealing with finances. Um, this one is we're doing this time is not a fan. It's uh, keeping it real, getting getting 
more like Christ, more, more or less. Um, and so we kind of dive into that. And, and so it just basically opens that discussion. And then, you know, I can't say that I do something intentional. It's kind of what uh, Craig was saying, um, just just uh, encouraging the group. Uh, one of my big emphases is, is service. Um, and just a couple things that, that had happened in the last two years that our group had done is a couple of ladies spearheaded a, a, a time where they were able to get some baskets together for an organization here in town. And I, I think we started out with like 10 or 15, but it just went way past it. And it, it actually edified me. It built me up to see that. Um, another time this last year was just little things because we're so busy that we can't really serve like, you know, I would like to serve, which is um, a lot. But during uh, one of our times, we were able to help another couple move a business. And just that time being unified, lifting each other up, it was, uh, you know, just great. So those okay. are good things. Right on. So two things we learned, Vin. Topic-based groups are better than teaching-based groups. <laughs> That's how we edify one another, evidently. No, just joking, but I like that humor, all right? I do like that humor. Um, all of these types of groups are needed. Uh, I like the piece where you're, you're encouraging them to get out of their box and get out and serve. Not just talk about a topic, but go out and apply the topic. I think that's something we can all do with one another, is we can encourage each other not just to hear a sermon, but then to go practice it. Especially if you hear something you know, a person that's close to you really needed to hear that. Go up to them and just ask them the simple question of, what did you really sense God was saying to you today? And then encourage what God was saying to them. You know, be, be, uh, be careful about going up to someone and telling them what you think God wants to say to them. You know, that's, always, that's not always edifying every time. Because many times we get that wrong. But when you go up to someone, like you're talking about, DJ, and you say to them, hey, what was, it God that was, what was God saying to you today? When they share that, that's edifying them. And then when you encourage them to do it, you're helping to build them up. So that's good. I like that. So, Mandy, you lead a topic-based group, but it's a whole different, like, it's a network of groups that we call Turning Point, all right? So when people are looking through their catalog, they're seeing these teaching-based, they're seeing topic-based, and then all of a sudden they get to this section that says Turning Point. What are those groups, and how does a Turning Point leader edify, or how do they build up that might be different than these other groups? How do they build people up in their faith? Yeah, Turning Point uh, is, uh, I, I, I'm passionate about, so I think it's a little more special than some of these others, but that's not true. And that's why you guys are each up here, because you're each sold out to your area. All right. <laughs> that's right. Um, but when I was thinking about getting up here and, <laughs> and talking, I just asked the Lord, help me to be efficient with what I'm trying to say, because Turning Point is a lot of things, but it's very simple. Um, and I felt like he gave me Psalm 51:12, which says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And sometimes, you know, in our walk with Christ, we've lost the joy of our salvation, our salvation, and we're stumbling and, and we've fallen into a pit and it's, we're having a hard time getting out. Turning point is basically a timeout. It's, you know, coming to our groups, our atmosphere is, we create an atmosphere of safety, of um, intimacy, and deep bonds are formed very quickly. Uh, when you're talking about hard issues of life. Um, and so what we do is, you know, we want you to come, if something, if, if something in your past is, is coming back to haunt you or something right now you're struggling with and you just can't seem to break through, that's why you need to come see us. I will say we have an awesome 
pit crew of leaders. I favor our leaders probably more because I know them better, but really you have people leading these groups who are passionate about what they're doing. And that makes a big difference. Um, building up in these groups is I spend a lot of time throughout the week at the coffee shops, um, at lunch, on the phone. Um, Sean's always giving me a hard time. (laughs) How many Starbucks charges can you have on one week? But it's true. Get out and build relationships. Get to know each other. Ask the hard questions. Get built up. And and in turn, as leaders, doesn't mean that, that we, we don't have that core people doing that in our life. I have a tight group of women who pour into me, and I would not be able to do the things I'm doing had I not built those relationships and became vulnerable. Wow. All right. So that's great. Thank you for being passionate about that. If I could just sum up maybe something that we could all do then that, that you're doing in your groups, uh, and that is... You're being intentional about building deep relationships, not shallow relationships. And you're trying to do it quickly so you can get to the core issues. Um, I think that's important for all of us. It's really impossible to edify or build strangers up. It's really hard to do that. You know, the best place for that to happen is in a life group. And so if we're going to be people that are edifying others, then we're going to have to get close to people. Not fake with people, though. That's what I like about insight. They won't let you be fake. You can try it. But sooner or later, they're going to pierce through your fake shell. And so many of us, we try to put on masks and we want other people to see us a certain way. And if we're going to be edifiers of others, we're going to have to love people long enough that we can get through their shell, to get through their masks, because it takes time to earn that level of trust. That's something we can all practice that you're doing. Last but not least are our support groups. And in our support groups, which make, they're different because support groups meet really 365 days a year. They're just constantly meeting. Where these other groups, they're going to start in September and they're going to end in November. So, Tim, you lead a support group. What is what is one of our support groups? And then how do you use, you know, this support group to edify or build others up? We lead a uh, support group called the 12 Steps for Christians. And it originated uh, 78 years ago when God reached down and, and touched a man on his shoulder who was suffering with a disease we call alcoholism. And they told him, go find another alcoholic, and I'm going to teach you how to save millions. So uh, a guy named Bill Wilson uh, found a doctor named Bob Smith. They got together and found out that working with one another, uh, with Christ as the center of that, they could save others. Uh, we use the 12 steps that come from that program. Uh, on a Christ-centered basis, and we use the scripture verses that brought, a for- brought forward these 12 steps. Okay, all right. And then, um, so you're using these 12 steps, and you're using the scripture to do that. Is there, is there um, a heightened level of accountability that you have to use with one another to, to keep each other, you know, going and, and growing closer to God? Yes, there is. Uh, we... Uh, compliment or take off from where maybe some of these other groups uh, end at. And uh, we get down uh, personal and intimate with each other uh, to a level that is, uh, I, you know, it just, the enemy never takes a day off, Yeah. you know, and so we've got to work on this every day. I've been involved with the uh, uh, 12 steps for over two decades, and Diane's coming up on uh, three decades. And we find that uh, uh, as people come in and they get honest and they are not afraid to share uh, their past mistakes. And it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, an addiction problem. It's anything that separates us. 
from God, which is sin, and we all have that in our lives. Sure we do. So uh, as the people come in, we say we're glad to see you. Um, we keep in contact with them. Our uh, support group doesn't have, like, apprentices. We, after you've been there a while, we'll give you, like, one or two weeks, and then you can start leading the meetings. <laughs> okay. Not really. There you go. Uh, we, uh, there you go. Not that, not that quickly. Right. But when you come a while, uh, sure. we take turns in leading the steps. Good, good. So a support group. And that's the reason why I asked you the question about accountability, because holding each other accountable is a way that we edify each other. Sometimes I think we're scared to hold each other accountable because we're afraid it might offend our, our friend. Or, you know, we might look like we're too righteous because look at our faults. How can we hold someone else accountable when we see our own faults? But holding each other accountable is, a, is an action step that we're supposed to take to help edify or build one another up. So, guys, you guys are fulfilling an important role scripturally. It's found in this passage right here in Ephesians. Take a look at it. It says, Ephesians 4.11, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers, of which that's what you guys are doing. You're pastoring, you're shepherding, and you're teaching, along with our other life group leaders. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Build up to edify. That's what your job is. That's what your role is. And, I, and we all need you to do that with great excellence. Just like we need all of our other life group leaders and all of our other Christian education teachers to do their jobs to edify or to grow the church up to make it healthy. Thank you for the part that you guys are playing. Can you guys give it up for these guys? What about when it comes to how you receive edification? To receive edification is very, it's a simple answer, hard to do. It's this, be humble. Be humble. Humble yourself to admit you need instruction and you need teaching and you need to be equipped to become more Christ-like. We are all called to do that with others, just like another passage says in Romans, where it says we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. And I think up to this point, you're like, yes, that's what we should do. But when we flip the coin and we go, but what about receiving edification? Now it's another story. One thing to help others or tell others, it's another thing to receive it. See, really, we could read this passage of Scripture by flipping it on its head and say, we should allow others to help us do what is right and build us up in the Lord. See, when you can get to a point in your life where you can say, I need others to help build me up. I need others to help me become more Christ-like. You know what? You are ready for one of our life groups. That's the attitude it's going to take. And that attitude is the attitude that, that, that Bodie and Gina Johnson have. It's the same attitude that Dwayne uh, Utech has. I'm going to invite those guys up really quick just to help me out with this. I'm going to have them come and share just very quickly with you about how being a part of a life group it's helped to equip them. It's helped to build up their faith. It's helped to transform and to change them. Welcome to the stage, guys. All right? Hey, this microphone's already on, Bodie. So, yeah, I know, exactly. So listen, man, as you have a seat, why don't you just take a quick moment and tell us, you know, how, have be, how has being in a life group helped edify you? How has it built you up? How has it helped you become more healthy and growing in your relationship with God? Well, first of all, being in the, the number one life group in the Tri-Cities area, uh, it's been a big help. <laughs> yeah, you can tell. People love their life groups, man. You get in that pit crew, it's like being on a racing team. 
Yeah, it's, it's been great. Uh, my journey started with that, with uh, my wife Gina telling me, I'm going to church, you going to go? No. going to go to church? No. You're not going to make me do something I don't want to do. She signs us up for uh, a small group, and she goes, are you going to go with me? I go, do I have a choice? She said, no. And yeah. it was it was the, the greatest moment of, of my life to to go there and to get personal with the people in that in that group to understand I was so angry with God but I was angry at somebody that I didn't know and you know now I do I have that connection and I've opened my heart up to him yeah right and on. you know I got to thank everybody that's in that small group for for getting me there and wow here we are that's awesome huh that's a big change yeah, that's awesome. Now, yeah, you, you were out on that um, that men's event yesterday. Were we? Were you guys one of the boats catching fish or eating or not? Or what was it? Did you oh, guys... we, we caught fish. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, so, you were... not all of this. All right. I know DJ probably the woohoo back there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it was a fun day. Yeah, look at he's leaving. You just embarrassed him. Hey, Gina, Gina, you are an inspiration. There's a lot of wives out there right now going, how did you get your husband to come to church? And I think the big answer was you didn't, but you got him to come to a life group. And in a life group, he found what it meant to have a relationship with God, which I'm proud of you for being able to even communicate that. Um, so Gina, you being a part of a life group, even before maybe, or, or maybe you guys went together, and maybe you never were a part of one, but just tell us about your experience in a life group along with Bodhi's and how that's really helped to edify you how it's helped to build you up in your faith. Um, yeah, we go into a home. Um, Jared and Katie Clark, along with Clint and Timory Smith, um, are our leaders to the, of the group that we go into. Um, I was born and raised in a church. You know, I walked the walk, but I didn't have Christ in my heart. These leaders showed me how to revolve my life around Christ, not just to walk the walk. Um, they have taught me how to love, how mm. to, you know, bring my life to a whole different meaning yeah. um, for our children, for, you know, just my personal relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Built you up. It's transformed you, right? Absolutely. When you and I were talking, you said, yeah, I grew up in church. I knew a lot of the right answers, but it wasn't until I started attending one of those life groups that I really discovered what a relationship with God was. That's what I love about our life groups. It's not, they instruct and they teach, but it's not about telling you how bad you are and what you've got messed up. It's about helping you know what it means to walk in a true relationship with God. That's exciting. And I'm proud of those that lead that group. Way to go, guys. As well as all of our other life group leaders. Wonderful job. Now, Dwayne, you attend one of our groups that are out in Ravana. So why don't you give us a little, just a brief story of, um, you know, the type of group that you attend uh, or have attended. I think maybe it's multiple groups and how they've helped you become more Christ-like in your journey. Okay. Um, I, too, grew up going to church, but I did not have a relationship with Christ until I started coming to, to New Life. Um, I started going to 12 Steps for Christians at Tim and Diane Ferris, and uh, it's been a tremendous experience for me, a very growing and learning experience. As a small group, it becomes a very close 
knit group very intimate, and you get to know each other very well, and you feel comfortable asking. I mean, everybody has those situations where, you know, I want to know more, but I'm afraid to ask, or I'm embarrassed, I'm getting to be an old man, and, and to think that, you know, I don't know all this stuff. Uh, I don't feel that way anymore. I, I feel very comfortable in the group asking the questions like, hey, guys, wait a minute, you know, let's go back. I need to know this. What do you think about that? And it, it's just tremendous experience teaching, learning, uh, sharing personal experiences, and growing so much in being a Christian every day. The other group I go to um, last fall, Jerry, Reimer, or Jerry um, Lammers asked me to um, come to men's fraternity on Monday nights, and I started going to that. Again, a very similar situation. After a video that we would watch, um, it was on being a better father, a better husband, a better, better Christian in the workplace. We would get into small groups, and it it became a very tight group, and you felt comfortable sharing with each other and growing and learning with each other's experiences. Yeah. So it's, it's been great. Yeah. So you've been in two different types of groups, and both of them have edified you. They've built you up and grown, grown you. I think all of you guys, all you guys would obviously recommend a life group for these folks, right? Yeah, and uh, finding that place and getting in, even though it's a little intimidating to go the first time, once you're there, you find a group of loving, caring people that just want to edify. They want to build you up in your faith, right? All right, give it up for these guys. As they leave, back to the racing theme. A car, like this race car over here, is just a bunch of parts. It's wheels, it's shocks, it's seats, it's straps, it's gasoline, it's metal, it's fiberglass. All those parts have to be built up. They all have to be put together or that car doesn't even get into the race. Every single one of you is like that race car. And you need a pit crew around you. And you need to be a pit crew for others. The best place for that to happen is in a life group. But that means you're going to have to humble yourself. I want you to humble yourself today by doing one simple exercise of an application on this message. I want you, like you've seen all these cards that are laying on the altar here, I want to give you a chance. Take the card that's in your bulletin or the card that's in the back of your catalog that lists out all of our life groups. I want you to take that card and I want you to consider, what group am I supposed to be a part of? What group do, do I maybe want more information on? Or I already attend this group. And I want everybody to take one of those cards and to fill out that card. Our worship team is coming out onto the stage right now. They're going to be playing just a little bit. And while they're playing, I want you to take a moment to write down your information onto that card. Right? Write it down and write down the group that you want to attend. And then I want you as an act of surrender to come and to lay that card down on these altars. My team is going to collect these cards and we're going to contact you this week. And those life group leaders are going to contact you to tell you more about the group that you have a great interest in. And they want to help you Get into a group where you can be edified and you can edify others. That's what it means to be in a life group. Why don't you take a moment while I pray to consider what kind of group do you want more information on? What kind of group do you, you really sense God's going, you need to be in that group. And as an act of surrender to God, you fill out that card. And as an act of worship and surrender to God, you bring that card and you lay it down on this altar. Basically going, God, I need, I need what you've got. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you first gave your life on the cross. You came to teach us about the Father so that we might be edified, built up in our faith. Lord, you've challenged us to do that for one another as well. Lord, today, as, 
Everyone's in this auditorium. They're filling out a card. But may they fill that thing out based on what the Holy Spirit's speaking to them. What group they need to be a part of so that they can receive this edification and so they can give it to others. Lord, we all have a part to play. You designed us to fit together. You designed us to share what we have with others so that your church might become healthy and grow. Lord, may we be that kind of church in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. As the worship team plays, I want you to respond to God by bringing your cards and dropping them off, by standing when you're ready to stand and giving God worship and praise today for a God who built us up in our faith and calls us to do the same. Let's worship Him today.